Well, as we're right around the halfway mark of the season, the Big 12 picture is starting to solidify itself quite a bit. I'm Pete Mundo. We are Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet, and we really appreciate you being a part of the show and uh, joining us for another week. Before we continue, just a uh, friendly reminder, please leave us a rating, review, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you're listening to your podcast. Uh, we appreciate you doing that because it helps us out tremendously. And if you leave us a rating and review, I will uh, send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. All you have to do is send a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I will get that koozie right in the mail for you. That helps us, and then we help you keep the beer cold. So that's a screenshot, rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. All right, so right now you look at the Big 12, and it's Oklahoma's conference. I mean, uh, multiple people asked Derek Duke in this week's Big 12 mailbag, which is on heartlandcollegesports.com. We release it every Tuesday. We take questions on Monday. Basically, who's playing OU in the Big 12 title game? Uh, I, I hate to say it, not because I don't want to see OU win a Big 12 title again and maybe make a college football playoff. That'd be good for the Big 12. And this OU defense has given me a reason to believe they can actually finally make some noise in a college football playoff, which would be great. But more important than that is that you look at the Big 12 hierarchy. There's OU. There's, I would say right now, I'm doing power rankings. If I were doing that, I would put Baylor in the two slot. And I was explaining this to uh, Holly Rowe and Gabe Eichert when I join them every Monday at uh, 5 o'clock Central Time on the Big 12 Sirius XM channel. The reason I put Baylor in my number two spot is because... Texas's argument for being right now the number two team in the conference is based off of what they have done in losses. Well, we only lost to OU by a touchdown. Well, we hung with LSU and only lost by a touchdown. Like, that just doesn't work for me. I got to do it based off of games that you have won to this point. And if you want to get on Baylor for how things played out in that Texas Tech game and maybe the refs gifting them a, uh, you know, uh, obviously that illegal snap that was totally bogus. I get that. But in the end, they're ranked in the top 20. They are undefeated. And I would give Baylor the edge in that number two spot. Now, if those two teams were to meet right now, I'd make Texas a favorite. But once again, I can't do it off of what I think would happen. I have to do it based off of what I've seen and who they played. So as you look at the Big 12, you have Oklahoma, you have a drop-off. You can argue Texas, Baylor, Iowa State. You could probably argue that in any order if you wanted to. I cannot wait for those three teams to play each other here on the back half of the season. And then, then is where you get to the Texas Techs, Oklahoma States, and TCUs of the world. So right now you look at this Big 12 conference, and it really breaks down in the three tiers. You've got this top tier, and if you want to make it four tiers because OU is in its own tier, that's fine. But let's say three, where you have... OU, Texas, Baylor, Iowa State. Then you have the Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, uh, TCU grouping. And then it's K-State, West Virginia, Kansas. Now, maybe you're upset K-State's in that final pairing. But, you know, K-State, since that top 25 ranking, has not looked good. All right? They did not look good against Oklahoma State. They did not look all that good against Baylor. 
The offense is struggling. Now you've got TCU this weekend after a bye week. Let's see what changes Chris Kleiman has made with that time off. That's going to be very interesting to follow. And the loser of that game, we'll talk about it more later in the show, but the loser for that game is going to have a tough time digging itself out of the bottom half of the conference the rest of the way. Now, Iowa State, I mean, this Iowa State team is the Iowa State team I thought we were getting from the start of the season. I mean, geez. You know, Matt Campbell is a great coach. He has done wonders with this program. And I know they've lost, what, two games by three points between Baylor and Iowa. But, man, if this Iowa State team this week or last week was going to play Iowa or Baylor, I'd make them a favorite. I would make them a favorite in both of those games if those games were to be replayed this week. I know it was going to take Iowa State a little bit of time to get it going this year when you've got David Montgomery and Hakeem Butler going to the NFL, working things out on that side of the ball. I understand that. But, oh, man, if you're an Iowa State fan, you are a couple of plays away from right now, probably sitting, if you are undefeated, I don't know, 10th in the country? Somewhere between, like, 9 and 13? That's where Iowa State would be. And, you know, they can still reach their goals of playing for a Big 12 championship game. It's absolutely still possible. They got the one loss to Baylor that's going to be tough to overcome because Baylor would have the tiebreaker. But still, the goals are still in front of them for this Iowa State team, an Iowa State team that I thought would be playing for a Big 12 title. They can get there. It's going to be a little bit tougher, but they can get there. But, man, it just burns you uh, because the slow starts have been a thing under Matt Campbell – and that's the only real critique you can make of, of uh, this program under this head coach, which obviously has done wonders for Ames and done wonders for that, uh, that team and that community in general. So now the question is uh, for me in the Big 12, like what is this Baylor team? Are they a top 20 team? And uh, how will they play it the rest of the way without Clay Johnston? Huge loss for the Bears. Uh, we touched on it in the recap podcast earlier in the week, but Clay Johnston, their linebacker, out for the rest of the season after suffering a knee injury. He's not going to be easy to replace. And, man, it is going to be uh, tough, not just when you talk about what he does on the field, but his leadership as a senior off the field was enormous. He was the heart and soul of this defense. And with him being out, uh, that is going to be very difficult. Do not overlook that if you are uh, looking at this game this weekend against Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy coming off a bye. Uh, Oklahoma State homecoming weekend as well. I mean, there are so many things that you look at and you say, oh boy, uh, I know Baylor's favored, but a lot to look at. We'll get into that later on in the show. Now, another big injury in the conference is Austin Kendall, uh, West Virginia quarterback, chest injury, suffered against Iowa State. Jack Allison comes in, did not look very good. Uh, could he pull a Jet Duffy and, you know, turn it on after coming in as a replacement for an injured quarterback and have a great couple of games, I guess. I don't find it all that likely, but I guess he could. Um, right now, Kendall is listed as questionable for Saturday against Oklahoma. And at this point for the Mountaineers, I mean, it's really all about just building for 2020 and beyond. And it always was. I, I know you, uh, if you're a diehard Mountaineers fan, you don't want to really have to have that conversation unless you're a Kansas fan, especially because West Virginia's had success here the last uh, few years, you don't want to have that conversation about building the program. But, you know, Neil Brown deep down knew that's what he was doing. 
Uh, Dana Olgerson left him a fairly empty cupboard. Now, the defense is playing well. The Stills brothers are studs. But there was always a lot of work to be done, and uh, that's what this should be about now. The rest of the way for Neil Brown. If he's got a guy who he's up in the air about, I'm not saying don't play the senior, but if you got a redshirt freshman you think's got real potential to help you the next couple of years, I'm giving that guy every opportunity to get a bunch of snaps. I, I just I got to do it. I have to do that if I'm Neil Brown. No doubt about it. So um, we've got some problems here. <laughs> in the Big 12 as it relates to kickoff times. We mentioned this last week when it came out for week eight that all the games, again, uh, no real primetime action. Now week nine comes out, and same deal. OU's playing at 11 a.m. for a fifth straight week. Texas at TCU at 2.30. uh, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, 2.30. Texas Tech at Kansas at 6. Here's what's going on. The Sooners at 11 a.m. draw a good number. Why do they draw a good number? One, the 11 a.m. games typically aren't that good, and the national brands typically are not playing also at 11 a.m. That means whether it's ESPN, ABC, Fox, they can throw you on at 11, get a solid national brand in a slot without a lot of competition, and that way they don't have OU up against one of their other uh, games on one of their other properties. It's a win-win you got to realize what the networks are doing and why the networks would want to do this. It makes sense for them. I don't like it, but it makes sense for them and why you would put Oklahoma at 11 a.m. five weeks in a row, which they are next week against Kansas State. Also next week, there's a couple of reasons that the Big 12 is probably not in prime time. Uh, first off, Fox carrying the World Series. That night will be game four of the World Series. So it's not like it's a game that might not be played. It will be played that night. So Fox will have that. And the other huge game is uh, Ohio State taking on Wisconsin. That's a massive game in the Big Ten. And that game is going to be a noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central kick on Fox. So Fox is going for that day. Pretty good lineup. I mean, they're going Ohio State, Wisconsin into Texas TCU into most likely from there the World Series pregame and then World Series game four. It's a great lineup for the day for Fox. Uh, so, you know, Fox was, I guess, I guess they could have put Oklahoma and Kansas State in that 230 spot. Could have done that. But with K State kind of falling off the mat the last couple of weeks, if K State was still in the top 25, that's a no brainer. Instead, they go with Texas TCU. Pretty good game, you know, decent rivalry game, and and probably a better game just on the surface than Oklahoma State-K-State is. So I feel for OU fans, 11 a.m. games five weeks in a row when you're an OU team with that brand nationally, you're like, hey, can I get a primetime game? Heck, can I get a freaking uh, 2.30 game, please? And you feel like you can't. You feel like you're getting screwed. I understand that. I'm sympathetic to it. But I'm just explaining, you know, why that happened and what the deal is there. So uh, let's follow it. Let's see what happens. I feel for the Big 12. Not a lot of primetime action these past few weeks. But uh, that's what's going on there in the conference when you talk about the Week 9 scheduling. When you look at November and you have, you know, OU, Iowa State. Iowa State could be cracking the top 25 uh, pretty soon. And, you know, Baylor, Texas, Baylor, OU, if Baylor can keep going strong, there's a lot of potential there next month for some Big 12 primetime games. So keep an eye on all that. Uh, don't you worry. It'll take care of itself. I'm pretty confident of that. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you joining us. Well, coming up, 
bunch of teams, four Big 12 teams on a bye last week. What did each of those teams need to work on? What might we see some of this week? We will get into it all coming up. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly. Hey guys, it's Pete Mundo, and as we get going with conference play here in the Big 12, we're going to be placing all our bets with mybookie.ag, and I hope you will as well. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the absolute best. They've got the latest lines for the Big 12, and you can even continue to bet as the game goes on with in-game live betting. That's pretty cool. I'm going to be trying it this season. So if you join my bookie now, you'll double your first deposit with the promo code BIG12. That's BIG12 to activate the offer at mybookie.ag. You can't beat it. They'll double that first deposit with a minimum deposit of $45, maximum deposit of $1,000. And you can try that parlay. I always give it a shot. Got to be honest, doesn't end up too well. But it's fun, and that's what this is about. So check it out, mybookie.ag, promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, for a 100% sign-up bonus, mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. So four Big 12 teams had buys this past week, and each of them definitely had something they could have been working on. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. So uh, let's go team by team. Let's just go in order here. Kansas, by the way, uh, fires its offensive coordinator, right? We talked about that. The Jayhawks are moving on from their offensive coordinator, who was Les Koenig. So they fire him, Koenig, excuse me. And uh, what they end up doing is they go with Brent Deerman. Now, Brent Deerman is a guy who pushes the pace. Um, he's not looking to reinvent the wheel, at least not this season. But he's already brought something to the table that Carter Stanley apparently thinks is going to be noticeable from the get-go. Um, Stanley was quoted as saying this week that tempo is something that Deerman is adding throughout practice, moving guys around, running on and off the field, every position. Pacing is big. Now, Deerman was hired in January, just so you have a little background, as a senior offensive consultant. And he came from uh, Bethel University. He was the head coach there, one-year stint, as they were the most productive scoring offense at any level of college football with 55 points per game. So let's see what he can do. It's one week. I'm not going to go crazy and sit here and say, well, if Deerman only scores 15 points against Texas, Wow, what a waste this was. No. I like Les Miles going young, going fairly unproven, at least at this level, and saying, let's try something different. It's Kansas. You know, they came in ranked 95th in scoring offense and average yards per game. You cannot win in the Big 12 scoring 23 points per game. You can't do it. Or racking up 355 yards a game. You cannot win doing that. Now, KU's not going to win right now doing much of anything, but still... Um, go with the young guy. Let's see what he's got. Different. There's no tape on him. I think that's a win for the Jayhawks. I think that's a win. Nothing against uh, Caning at all. He was a fine hire at the time, but you make this move prior to the bye week. You let the guys kind of get used to uh, used to Deerman, and you see what he's got. I like this move for Les Miles. It doesn't mean I'm picking the upset against Kansas or against Texas. I'm not going to do that. 
But uh, I think this is a no-lose situation for the Jayhawks right now. So let's see what that offense looks like on uh, on Saturday in Austin. That'll be fun. Let's go to Kansas State. You talk about Chris Kleiman, who goes undefeated in the non-conference, then not looking too good in conference play, right? I mean, it was not looking too sharp for the Kansas State Wildcats once they started playing Big 12 ball against Oklahoma State and Baylor, who they've scored a combined 25 points against. So right now, if you're Kansas State, you got to figure out how to get that running game going again. Because when you look at these last couple of games uh, for Kansas State, that running game that has been outstanding for this team in uh, non-conference play just has not been there. They're averaging three and a half yards per carry. And this was never going to be a team that was going to uh, be lighting you up with Skylar Thompson slinging it all over the field. That's not how this team is built. That's not what it was ever going to be. So uh, K-State has got to get back to figuring out how to get that running game started, how to get it started early. You know, when you're down 10 nothing to Oklahoma State after the first quarter, it's not going to work. I'm sorry. You're not going to come back in games if you're Kansas State. Now, that did not happen against Baylor. Baylor pulled away as that game went on. But uh, this is not a Kansas State Wildcats team that is built to come from behind. We've noted that several times over the past couple of weeks. And if you're Chris Kleiman, it's like, okay, let's figure out a situation and a scenario where we can try to get this offensive line and this running game going off the bat, sustain long drives, keep our offense on the field, wear defenses down, and then allow our defense to go out there and just ball out. That has got to be a big part of the game plan for Chris Kleiman. I'm sorry it does. Uh, the good news is he's going up against TCU this weekend, who allowed Iowa State to rush for over five yards per carry when these two teams met a couple of weeks ago up in Ames. So that is the good news for Chris Kleiman. Uh, teams coming off bye weeks. I'm always intrigued to see how they handle things, especially when it's a new head coach, right? Now, for TCU, they're coming off the bye as well. I just mentioned that. Uh I've been a long proponent of sticking with Max Duggan at quarterback. You go into this knowing you're playing a true freshman, and you have to be willing to work through those two fr- those true freshman bumps and bruises. That is true with Max Duggan like it's true with any young quarterback. You cannot suck the confidence out of this guy right when you put him in. You can't do it. But you also need to see development from Max Duggan. You have to see growth from Max Duggan, and I hope that he got some good reps in practice over these last couple of weeks, and I hope that he feels like that bye week did him some good. Here's the other thing. You know, when you're a young player, and this is true for quarterback or any position, and you move up a level, whether it's high school to college, college to pros, that first season takes a massive toll on your body because your body's not used to playing at that level and taking those hits and everything that goes into prepping for the games that's more than it was at the level before. All these things are true. So this this bye week, pretty well time for TCU. Duggan gets to reset his mind, reset his body, and Sonny Cumbie, there's starting to be some heat on Sonny Cumbie. Uh, He has got to get things straightened out there with that offense. Darius Anderson had five runs before halftime, I believe it was, uh, in TCU's loss to Iowa State. I know they were down big in the second half. The first half was a one-score game for most of the half. 
uh, until, you know, Iowa State tacked a couple of touchdowns on the board in that second quarter. And Anderson wasn't getting the ball. I know Iowa State's got a good run defense, but you got to rely on this guy. I would use Jalen Rager more out of the backfield or on sweeps or whatever it might be, jet sweeps. He's got to get the ball in his hands more often. Wildcat snaps, I don't care. Jalen Rager needs the ball in his hands for TCU. It's a no-brainer. It's not happening enough. So Sonny Cumbie has got to make that happen here over the uh, next you know, couple of games, but certainly starting Saturday, coming out of a bye week. Also coming out of a bye week was Oklahoma State. And Dave Beal wrote a great piece on heartlandcollegesports.com about Spencer Sanders and just wondering whether or not Spencer Sanders uh, was progressing. And if he's not progressing, why is he not progressing? And does that mean it's time to, I don't know, give Drew Brown a shot? Now, Dave uh, wrote about this. I am not a proponent of giving Drew Brown a shot right now for reasons that I've talked about, similar to Max Duggan. Young quarterback, you know what you got. You got to work through it, especially if you think the ceiling is there. But Spencer Sanders, like Max Duggan, has got to show improvement here coming out of a bye week, taking on a Baylor team that's good. It's a good Baylor team, but... um, They're down Clay Johnston, as I mentioned earlier in the show. They're leader on defense. They're stud linebacker. That's one piece down. And Sanders has got to show that this offense is not just about Chubba Hubbard and then everybody else. He has to show that he is developing and he is improving. Now, he's had a tendency to throw balls high. That has led to some tip balls and some picks. He does seem to lock on the receivers and has not found that comfort level with anybody except for Tylen Wallace and Dylan Stoner. I mean, that was evident. Texas Tech did expose the fact that Sanders only likes to scramble to the right. If you cut him off there, it's a broken play, and it did not turn out well for Oklahoma State in Lubbock a couple of weeks back. So how has Spencer Sanders progressed? Has he taken that kind of phase two step in his freshman year? That is what I am very interested in seeing for Spencer Sanders on Saturday as Oklahoma State welcomes in undefeated top 20 Baylor in the Stillwater for homecoming weekend. So keep an eye on that. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly. Coming up, let's preview it. Week 8 in the Big 12. That's next. All right, well, it's that time of the week when we take a look at the games coming up this weekend. I'm Pete Mundo. We are Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. All right, let's get right to it. We will go in order of the games this weekend and start off with Oklahoma and West Virginia. So West Virginia comes into this game not knowing whether or not Austin Kendall's going to play. Questionable is how he was listed by... Head coach Neil Brown earlier this week. My gut tells me Jack Allison, the Miami transfer, and the backup is going to be the quarterback. He did not look great. Not going to lie. He did not look great in um, relief duty last week against Iowa State. That being said, the spread for this game is enormous. OU's going to win. But 34 points? That is a huge number that OU is favored by. And I don't see... In this scenario, I do not see Lincoln Riley running up the score. I think you're going to see backups if this game gets out of hand. 
you will see Tanner Mordecai quarterback. You'll see backups all over the field, and they will just run, 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 run the ball, run out the clock. They're coming off an emotional and hard-fought win last week against uh, Texas, of course, in the Red River rivalry. Um, And West Virginia's got a pretty good defense. They're not going to slow down OU. They're not going to do it. I promise you that. But the Mountaineers have an underrated defense. And if you want another uh, tidbit here, OU is 3-6 and six against the spread in October, dating back their past nine games. To me, that's not one of those make-or-break numbers. I don't care a ton about it. But it gives you a little bit of insight. So I like OU to win this game. I don't have any doubts OU is going to win this game. But I'm not taking OU to give up nearly five touchdowns in this conference game against West Virginia. I don't see it. Mountaineers have too much pride. They will cover the 34-point number. Let's move on to Iowa State and Texas Tech. Interesting game to me. Um, Both teams have reasons to be a little bit sluggish. Texas Tech coming off a brutal loss against Baylor that they are understandably so still upset about that illegal snap call at the end of that game in overtime understandably so so tech kind of limps its way home coming off of that loss to Baylor Iowa State this is tricky for Iowa State they have a road game in Morgantown followed by a road game in Lubbock you are going to basically opposite ends of the big 12 geographical spectrum in this game Uh, that's tough Don't overlook that. That is a tough back-to-back. So here's where I'm going in this game. Uh, I'm going to go with the under 55.5. Iowa State has the second-best red zone defense in the Big 12 against Texas Tech's eighth-ranked red zone offense, and the under has hit in 11-12 Iowa State road games dating back a couple of years. So uh, I think this is one of those games that will be a little bit windy as well out there in West Texas that I just think both teams have a reason to get off to slow starts. Um, And Iowa State would have hit the under last week if that game didn't go to overtime. So their defenses are very good. Iowa State is excellent. Texas Tech is underratedly good. Tech is at home in this game. So I am going to go with the under 55.5. I don't feel good about the number, even though I like Iowa State to pick up this win. Something like a uh, 27-24 to type of game. You know, maybe a 27-21 type of game in favor of the Cyclones. Let's go Kansas State-TCU. This is very interesting. Both of these defenses have been exposed at times this year, right? I mean, we've seen that. Both of these defenses get exposed. This is not your typical Kansas State-TCU smash-mouth game. Now, the offenses are both lacking, especially in the passing game. Both of these offenses are lacking. But the over-under number in this Kansas State-TCU game is 44.5. I mean, what, what is this? I, this is ridiculous. What is this, an AFC North game? Steelers-Ravens? Hey, come on. That's way too low a number for the Big 12, considering what I've seen these defenses do or not do in recent weeks. TCU's defense got torched in Ames. I saw that one in person a couple of weeks ago. TCU gave up 190 rushing yards to Iowa State. Um, so, uh, you know... This is not, and it has not yet been, that classic Gary Patterson defense. Now, maybe a bye week changes that, but Kansas State's rushing defense is also ranked ninth in the Big 12. So you're going to have a perfect weather day. That should help with some points, but they have both been defenses that have been leaky against the run, and both of these offenses want to run the ball. The 44.5 number is just way too low. 
It is way, way too low. I'm not buying it. I'm not going ahead with that. So I think TCU wins this game, by the way. Um, Gary Patterson coming off a bye week. I would want no part of that the last couple of weeks. No part of it at all. I think we're kind of seeing this Kansas State team and some of what its limitations are. But I do believe the over 44.5 is the number that I like the most. So uh, I'll take that in that game. Let's go to Stillwater for homecoming. Baylor, Oklahoma State. Uh, This is, in a lot of people's eyes, becoming reminiscent of last year's Texas game where Oklahoma State is home. They're taking on a team that's, you know, highly ranked, coming in undefeated, and Oklahoma State just trounces them. You remember that game, right, last year against Texas under the lights? Mike Gundy doing the, are you not entertained, uh, from Gladiator at the end of that game. It was good. It was entertaining. It was a great win for Oklahoma State. Pokes are coming off a bye. Baylor's coming off a squeaker against Texas Tech. They are down Clay Johnston, their stud linebacker. But I got to be honest, and I know some Pokes fans are not going to be happy. Baylor getting four points in this game. Are you kidding me? I can get Baylor as not even a field goal underdog. I get four points with Baylor. That group of wide receivers against the ninth-ranked passing defense in the Big 12 in Oklahoma State. I get a Baylor team that is first in the Big 12 in sacks with 23 in six games up against an Oklahoma State offensive line. That's allowed 13 sacks in six games, the second most in the Big 12 Conference. I know that Oklahoma State is 14-6 and six against Baylor against the spread over the last 20 meetings. And I'll tell you what, I think Oklahoma State will win this game outright, and that's dicey to say when I'm saying I'm going with Baylor plus four because that doesn't give me much margin for error at all. And I know that, and I understand that, and it's risky to say. But I like Oklahoma State, you know, on a last-second field goal type of situation, winning a game, a 31-30 type of game, whatever it might be, one way or the other, 28-27, whatever you want the score to be. I think it's going to be a heck of a game. Uh, I think Baylor's loss of Clay Johnson is going to be big. It will play out, and it will have an effect on that Baylor defense. I wholeheartedly believe that. But I'm hedging my bets taking Baylor plus four because of those numbers that I gave you. Yes, it's Gundy coming off a bye week. Yes, Baylor might be a little bit worn down. But this is only the second time this season Baylor has had to travel outside of the state of Texas. So let's not uh, let's not overstate that. It's still a good team. Uh, it's a team that's got a head coach and Matt Rule, who, let's be honest, whether you love or hate Baylor, I think Matt Rule is a very easy guy to like, and he's a heck of a football coach as well. And you know what? I just think that Baylor can cover this number, and I'm pretty confident they will do that. But I do believe Oklahoma State wins this game outright. Might be a little crazy to me, but let's see what happens come Saturday. Last but not least, Texas against Kansas. Game is in Austin, and here's the deal. Um, Kansas has its new offensive coordinator, right? They fire Les Canning. We talked about that. And they bring in this young hotshot. Guy's name is uh, Brent Deerman. Well, he's already been on the staff, but they promote him, I guess. Guy had the top offense in America last year at any level. That creates uh, an interesting situation for Texas because you don't really know what to prepare for. Texas is so banged up. As if they couldn't be any more banged up, the Longhorns are more banged up than they were last week uh, against OU. Had a couple more injuries. They're beat up. They're going to try to just get out of this game any way they can and get their guys rested up and healed. Um, So here's the deal as well. 62% of the money has gone on Texas, but the line 
is moving in Kansas's favor, meaning the line has shrunk. It opened up at Texas minus 23. It's now Texas minus 21 and a half, which would lead you to believe more of the money's going on Kansas. That's not the case. It's going on Texas. That means the wise guys are on the Jayhawks. I'm on the Jayhawks as well, plus 21 and a half in this game. So we've got West Virginia plus 34, Iowa State, Texas Tech under 55 and a half. Uh, K-State, TCU over 44.5, Baylor plus 4, despite uh, the fact that Oklahoma State wins the game, and then Kansas plus 21.5. There you go. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Thanks again, guys. Please leave us that rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and we will send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. We will do that for you if you leave us that rating and review and then screenshot it to me, Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you on Sunday for our Week 8 Recap Podcast. Don't want to miss that. Talk to you soon.